What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Fourth Infinity. It's a big one. It is our first playoff recap episode. We just had Super Wildcard Weekend happen in the NFL. We had six games go down. We're going to go into all six of those games and then preview what the playoffs are looking like after this week. But before we get into that, as always, I'll introduce my co-host. Uh, first off, Jay is not here. He's doing some adult stuff, some very not fun stuff that he had to get done tonight, so he's not here. We have some notes from him about the Niners game that happened that we'll report on pretty shortly, but he won't be here. But the other two guys are here, starting with Bobby. How you doing over there, Bob? We got to start with the big news, guys. Ben Johnson is back. He's back. Like, that's that's the biggest news of the weekend, right? Like, nothing else happened. Bobby's favorite movie, Ben is back. Yeah. That is a pretty big deal. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It is. It actually is, but yeah, I know we're not going to be getting into that, but that's what I'm excited about. We'll get into it eventually. We'll get there. We, we'll get there. We got second and third down to get to. Uh, yeah, that's what Bobby's excited about. Uh, also here, Arcadia, what are you excited about right now? I'm excited for Brandon, uh, Brandon Staley Slander Hour. Oh, we'll get to that. We will absolutely get to that. I, I cannot wait for that. Uh, you and I are both going to be on cloud nine for that whole segment of the show. But before we get to that, we have to eat our vegetables first, which is to talk about the first game in first down, which is one of the less fun games that we ultimately had this week and what was overall a pretty good weekend of games. The first game we had was the Seahawks going to Santa Clara to play the two seed 49ers in the first round of the NFC playoffs. So uh, on paper, as in considering the two matchups these two teams have had early, earlier in the season, this seemed like a pretty easy Niners W. We all predicted the Niners, and for a while it actually looked like it was going to be a competitive game. The Seahawks actually led this game at halftime. And then the second half was just totally dominated by the Niners. The Seahawks kind of fell apart, and the Niners' offense performed pretty damn consistently throughout the entire game, but they they turned it up in the second half. And they ended up pulling away in this one, and they ultimately won 41-23. to But for a while, it was looking kind of interesting, even though the Niners started out with a, a, a two-possession lead. But Seahawks fought back, and then they just uh, they just got soundly defeated at the end. They put up a really good fight in the first half. Uh, the Seahawks, they... Played well. Their defense was holding up. Um, they were doing just enough on offense um, and moving the ball pretty well. Um, like you said, like they were up by two going into the half. But um, yeah, they just kind of ran out of steam and the Niners picked up and, and just proved what they are at this point, mm-hmm. uh, which is probably the best, if not top two of the teams in the NFC um, uh, in the playoffs right now. But uh, honestly, I mean, Purdy did not play a great first half and that kind of kept the Seahawks in the game, I think. He missed some throws, um, was late on a few of them. Specifically, I remember one tie uke in the end zone that should have been a touchdown, and he was mm-hmm. just late on it. Uh, led to a field goal, but um, yeah, Seahawks, look, they they made it much more of a game in the beginning than I thought they would, um, and Geno showed that he can still do it even against a pretty good defense, but then it just, yeah, like you said, it turned into a blowout in the second half. They, the Niners, have, they have way too many weapons, and Purdue started hitting his throws, and that just kind of turned the game around. Yeah, not not the most exciting game of the of the weekend, but it was for a half. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm actually looking at it here, and I didn't remember how close it actually was for a lot of the game. It felt like that Cowboys Colts Sunday night game, and that it was close until we got to the fourth quarter, and then they totally pulled away because uh, yeah. they were they were only up by six points going into the fourth quarter, and then they ended up winning the game by eighteen. They got up as many as twenty four at one point, so. Yeah, they pulled away pretty quickly in the fourth quarter, but for at least 45 minutes of game time, this is actually pretty fun and competitive. Yeah, there was a big turnover at some point that kind of turned the tides. Um, I think it was the fumble by Gino um, that just uh, kind of killed any momentum that they had mm-hmm. um, to, to, to keep it a game. But um, yeah, I mean, look, Seattle snuck in. It was a good 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 by them just to even get, on, get into the playoffs. Um, but uh, yeah, they just weren't up for the task this year. 
Uh, maybe they'll improve going forward if they resign Gino and get things going. But uh, just not their year for this, but it, they had a much better year than expected, I would say. Yeah, they totally overachieved. They're one of the biggest overachievers probably in the entire league compared to preseason expectations for sure. Yeah, I don't have much to add. I was just going to go over some of what Jay was saying. Um, I thought the the Niners O-line looked a little shaky. And yeah, for, for the most part, like especially the the first half, that, that did contribute to some Brock struggles. Um, Bosa, he said, had a down game, but he thought it was an outlier and he'll be fine. And I'm, I totally agree. Yeah, the Hawks, they, they do seem to be a team kind of on the upswing because they drafted really well this year. You know, they, they committed some costly turnovers that pretty much sealed it. Uh, but they'll, they'll be all right in the years to come, I think. Mm-hmm. And they have a good draft pick coming up this next season from the Broncos still, don't they? Right. Yeah, they do. So they have the number five pick. Number five overall. Yeah, the Lions have number six, I believe. Yep, that's why I know that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, so they've got that to look forward to. They they and the Lions had the same luxury of being able to actually play for some wins this year because they knew they had a good draft pick, in, in, in theory, in their back pocket, and they ultimately did. But Well, knew after the year kind of started to play out. Yeah, 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 yeah. They sure. didn't know, obviously, week one, but... Yeah. yeah, so a good year for them. Like we said, they overachieved. the As far as the Niners go, they're still looking pretty dominant. They've looked great. I'm obviously pretty much this whole season. They had a couple shaky games at the start, and I think they started three and four, but uh, the second half of the year, they totally picked it up. They haven't lost in a very, very long time, and Purdy's looking really good in there. Like like we said, he had some shaky moments, but he's looking at home, I think, for lack of a better term. Like he's, he, doesn't, he looks like he belongs. He doesn't look nervous necessarily or out of place. He looks like he deserves to be there at this point, and he's got a good team around him to help support him. Yeah, I don't want to downplay it by saying like, oh, he had a he had a bad first half and stepped it up in the second. He he had a fantastic uh, overall. Half. Like yeah, he mm-hmm. really like he he balled out um, in that second half. He ended up throwing for three hundred and thirty yards, three touchdowns, and ran for a touchdown. Like he had a yeah. he had a great game, um, and was hitting some guys in stride and making some plays with his legs. Extended a play that could have been a, a crazy touchdown uh, that was it Ayuk or someone dropped uh, in the back corner of the end zone after he broke free. Um, but yeah, he, he looks way better than anyone should have expected him to ever play when they, uh, when all the injuries happened and he had to come in. So they seem to be in good shape. I think there's enough of a sample size of Brock Purdy to say that he's probably their guy next year. He will be to like, I, I heard someone put it the right way. Um, he's going to be getting the starting reps in training camp. Like he will get that chance. For I, sure, there's no, there's no, no doubt. Personally, I think they they just let Jimmy G go and then trade, uh, Trey Lance and just let yeah. let it be Brock's team. Just just make no doubt about it because he looks like the real deal. Yeah, I don't I don't want to go too far down the rabbit hole, but I I generally agree. Yeah, and I'm still a little bit more attached to the idea that they're going to try with Trey to an extent. I, I think, think they will. I don't think they'll get rid of him this offseason. I don't think that's going to happen. I don't I know. they'll try. I just don't think he's a fit for their offense, and they're going to kind of realize that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know exactly how it's all going to play out, but it still seems strange to me that they would just give up on him considering what they give up for him. But honestly, this whole season's been like it's gone so many unexpected directions for them, and it's worked out really well in my favor. So nothing would really surprise me here. But yeah, we still have obviously to get through their postseason, they're not done yet, and then we'll get to their offseason. So that's some speculation for way down the road. But as of right now, they remain alive and they're on to the divisional round next week, and we'll talk about their opponent here in just a little bit. So the next game, the other game that happened on Saturday, the Saturday evening game on NBC, 
was what a, a game. what a game <laughs> yeah not necessarily always a good game but it was it was something something to behold uh so this was the chargers and the jaguars jags were a division winner so they got to host this game even though the uh, chargers had the better record this is the four or five seed game so this is a tale of two halves in the most literal sense um first half trevor lawrence threw four interceptions including i think his very first the very first play from the scrimmage of the game he threw a pick mm-hmm. And he had four picks just in the first half. The Chargers got out to a 27-0 lead. Then the Jags got a score in right before the half. I think it was a touchdown. They did. They they yes. scored to make it 27-7 yes. before half. Yeah, um, going that into was the half. score going in. Yeah. Yeah, and then, like I said, a tale of two halves. They ended up mounting a pretty crazy comeback in this game. And there's been a lot of discussion about, you know, what what's to blame for this. Uh, looks at notes. This game is how to charger. Yeah. Um, right about Yeah. How to charger 101. That, yeah. This game. <laughs> Before we get to that, I don't want to discredit what the Jags did either, because Trevor Lawrence, for the god awful start that he had, looking like Jake DeLome in 2008, one of the worst playoff performances you've ever seen in that first half, totally turned things around. And the, the Jags yeah. as a whole totally turned things around on offense. And they cleaned up their act on defense, as we'll discuss here in a second with moves that the Chargers ended up making. But Chargers only got three points in the second half, and the Jags got 31 or 24, I guess, and then 31 in total to win this game by a point ultimately, somehow. And, uh, yeah, there's a lot to say about this game. I'll let you guys say some, say some stuff before I get into everything. Yeah, I mean, I, look, Trevor Lawrence, obviously the four interceptions, like he was not playing well, but some of those were some of those were some bad breaks in the mm-hmm. beginning, and it just kind of looked like everything was going the Chargers' way. Yep. Um, every tipped ball, every just they were making great plays, even if the ball was kind of was thrown well and, and stuff like that. But um, yeah. Uh, but they didn't lose their cool at half and they came out and just methodically kept moving the ball, kept scoring and the defense stepped up. I mean, giving up only three points in that second half to the chargers mm-hmm. when, I mean, it's, it's weird because the chargers should have been trying to kill the clock and they weren't, but at the same time, they also were not moving the ball at all. Yeah. They so couldn't, they, they couldn't they really were passing. It. Yeah. They couldn't run it. They were passing and way too many incompletions. They were going three and out way too often for being up that much. Um, like they, it, it wasn't, I don't, I don't think it was a very good offensive game plan. And I think that that kind of showed itself after the game when, uh, we learned a couple days later that they fired their offensive coordinator, uh, Lombardi and also the quarterback coach. I don't think they were happy with the entire season, but that, that second half was kind of a microcosm of how their offense has been where mm-hmm. they don't push the ball downfield. It's a lot of short passes. It's a lot of, you know, Herbert should not be a game manager. And that's kind of what they made him this year because they didn't have yeah. a running game. So yeah. they just, every quote-unquote run was a pass to a running back or to a receiver behind the line of scrimmage um and that's not how you should work your offense with justin herbert mm-hmm. so agreed i think poor play calling um poor performance obviously in the second half but obviously give it up for the jaguars for staying in the game and not giving up and some really creative play calling um including the fourth down play that ended up giving them uh the yardage for the that last field goal Yep. Um, where they lined three guys up in the backfield, kind of looked like they were going to do the quarterback sneak where they push Trevor Lawrence forward uh, and they handed it off to one of the backs, I think ETN, mm-hmm. uh, who took it to the outside and just beat Samuel uh, out there. And it was just no chance, and that just sealed the game. Mm-hmm. When the Chargers went up 27 nothing, you know, if, if I'm watching the Raiders, I'm like, okay, how are the Raiders going to screw this up? <laughs> I, I usually don't think about that for any other team, but... It definitely in the second half, it felt like watching a Raider game from this season. Like the, there, there was just absolutely nothing the Chargers could do to prevent the inevitable of the Jaguars turning around and winning this game. 
And mm. you, again, you, you do have to credit the Jaguars because they've had a couple of games this season where they've been down in the fourth quarter by more than one possession and somehow have come back to win the game. Like I want to say against the Ravens, against the Cowboys. Quite a few times. In against that, the Raiders. Like within the within the last like four or five games of the regular season, they did that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They, I feel like. The, Tre- Trevor Lawrence, he, he's he's got that gene. He's got the clutch gene in him. He's got that dog in him is what he wants to say. He, he does. But yeah, he. I mean, Trevor Lawrence had it. He showed what he, you know, his potential was coming out of college as that number one pick. He played mm-hmm. way better this year than he did um, last year. And he's keeping it going, obviously. I mean, they're, they're moving on and see what they can do against the Chiefs. But um, he looked very sharp in that second half, threw four touchdowns um, to go. So he had four touchdowns, four picks, mm-hmm. uh, and they won the game. Perfectly insane. And it's the first... First playoff game ever where a team had a negative five turnover differential in one, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is pretty nuts. Yeah, they weren't getting to Hickways on defense, which a lot of times if you're mounting a comeback, that's what you need to do just to flip some points that way. But they didn't yeah, even do just that. Three and outs. Yeah. Even in the first half, because of field position, they got off the turnovers. The Chargers didn't really move the ball that well. They didn't have they didn't have to move it too far to get in the end zone or to get their field goals. Like they really didn't have to do that much. And I think two of their touchdowns were just Eckler punch ins, and he only had thirty five yards total mm-hmm. on the ground. So it's not like they were moving it and really scoring at will. It was just they got gifted such good field position that yeah. even they couldn't mess it up, at least not yet. So the whole game really for them was not that great. And like they just took advantage of what was given to them. And then when it stopped being given to them, they didn't know what to do when it got to the second yeah. half. And they, they, I mean, I think what a lot, not a lot of people are remembering or even kind of talk about okay. is that the Chargers missed a field goal yeah. with yes. seven minutes. And that I was just going to bring that, 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 that. that would have, oh yeah, that, that was, I mean, obviously the Jaguars had a chance because of how they were moving the ball in that last drive to actually score a touchdown, yeah. but they would have had to score a touchdown instead of that easy field goal that they got. So yeah, 40, I think it was a 40 yarder. So that's, yeah, it was a 40 yarder that he missed a, a pretty makeable field yeah. goal and the conditions weren't too terrible as far as I could tell. So yeah, he mm-hmm. just missed it, which is not the uh, first story of kicker woes that we'll hear uh, through these games, no. but um, yeah, obviously the that most was costly big... though. Probably. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It ended up being the most costly. It would have swung the game in a whole different direction. I think at that point late in the game, but it's the Chargers. That's what happens to the Chargers sometimes. Even even if they get yeah. better at every position, they're still the Chargers at the end of the day, and they haven't been able to break that curse yet. Mm-hmm. So we'll yep. see and what they're happens. Apparently, they're apparently keeping Staley as of now, and they just yeah. got rid of most of the offensive staff. Yeah. So um, they, they we'll have scape, they have scapegoats elsewhere. Yeah. I'm sure. I think this is still yeah. a good idea by them, but I think they should have probably gone further with it. But I I just got reminded at the end of last year. Do you remember uh, Staley got rid of his special teams coach? Like right after, after the that Raider after game. the Raiders game, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I was uh-huh. like, "Damn, this guy just doesn't want to take any responsibility." Like, mm-hmm. I'm sorry, like, I know, I, like I know, Staley's... we keep harping on it on this podcast, but Brandon Staley is just a fraud. <laughs> I I like his personality. I like like hear like hearing him speak about some stuff and and like how he's handled some things. I I do enjoy, and he's and I like some of his aggressiveness, but I think he just overall as a head coach has failed with. Um, yeah. The, the team that they've had and with Justin Herbert is just, it's not coming together and it really should They yeah. have too much talent. There's been injuries, but even with that, there's too much talent to like keep underachieving like this for three consecutive seasons now with that team. So we'll see. Uh, we'll see what they can do in the off season. Obviously they've got a lot of time to stew over it and see if they can uh, figure some things out, but that's the end of their season. And it's ultimately, I think a disappointing campaign for them. I, uh, I will pat myself on the back. I was the only person who didn't pick them to win the AFC West. I picked the chiefs and uh, that panned out well in my favor. 
I just, you know, something about the Chargers. They're just always going to be the Chargers. I thought you were going to say something about the Chiefs. I'm like, yeah, I mean, you know, (laughs) just something. Yeah, no, I was just going to pat myself on the back for that because I saw this team as still being somewhat fraudulent just because they are the Chargers. But, I mean, they still made it to the playoffs and everything. But, yeah, it's disappointing for them for sure. Okay, so moving on to Sunday, where we had three games, the first of which was the Bills, the two-seed hosting the Dolphins, who were the seven-seed. Um, so this game went not like a lot of people thought it would. Well, I should say it started like a lot of people thought it would. The Bills went up, I think, 17 nothing in the first half? Yes. Yeah, they were up 17 nothing. Yeah. I didn't and... see a lot of that first half, but I did see the score. And yeah. was kind of keeping tabs from you guys. Mm-hmm. But yeah, 17 nothing. I'm like, oh, it's a blowout, and I'm not missing much. <laughs> yeah, that changed. Yeah, the Dolphins' offense was not doing anything to really buck this trend for a long time. But sort of like the Chargers uh, in in their game against the Jags, they got gifted uh, a lot of a lot of turnovers in this game from Josh Allen, and uh, they ended up taking advantage of them. It ended up being it was 20, 20, twenty to seventeen at half. half. Yeah, Bills. Yeah, so by by halftime, the Dolphins had made it a game, and it stayed a game until the very end. I think I think Arcadio said the Bills would pull away at the end, and it's it still seemed like they would like at halftime uh, when when yeah. it was looking close, but. They just kept shooting themselves in the foot. Like that was that's honestly the biggest takeaway from this game was that they let the Dolphins stay in that game for far too long. I think they fumbled a kickoff too, like a on a punt yeah. return or something. Well, um, they didn't lose one that way, but they might have put themselves into like bad field position from it if that happened. Because I see like Naheem Hines had a fumble, but it was recovered by yeah. I remember they recovered Buffalo, one. so hmm. um, maybe he fumbled and and it gave him bad field position for that or something. Mm-hmm. Sure. But yeah, I mean, the biggest takeaway is definitely, I think, the Josh Allen turnovers. And it's just seems to be when he's not fully on, that's part of his game um, because he's very aggressive. And uh, yeah, that's um, that's dangerous as a team that should they should have dominated this game. Mm -hmm. Um, But when your quarterback throws two picks, fumbles it for a like a scoop and score also like that's uh, that's not good. Mm hmm. Yeah, I think this. I don't, I don't know if this game was counted in that stat, but I think they said he has thirty turnovers on the season. Josh Allen does just himself in and total. Geez. Yeah, he yeah, might. yeah. Which just seems like a crazy number to me. Like, feel like that just seems like a lot of freaking fumbles to me because interceptions. I think he had um, like twelve or thirteen. It might not. So that might not be because I, I saw that stat going around, but I don't know if that was fumbles lost. Yeah, or maybe just not fumbles he put lost. it on the ground. Yeah, because he put the ball on the ground three times this game, but only lost one fumble. Mm-hmm. So like I, I don't let me see officially what his stats are. I can get back to you in a minute. Yeah, that seemed insanely high, but even so, like even even if it's not all fumbles lost, it's still a lot of potential takeaways that were there and a lot that were given away. So, um, yeah, I mean that's kind of the story, been the story for the Bills this season when they've been struggling, uh, when they kind of had that midseason slump for a little bit was the turnovers and Josh Allen. I think you know he's had some little injury issues on and off throughout the year that are probably still affecting him to some degree, but. Yeah, they kept shooting themselves in the foot and yeah. keeping the Dolphins in this game. Do you have the stat? Yeah, he, he threw 14 picks and lost two fumbles. Um, okay. He fumbled it in total eight times on the year. So if you, like, I don't know what, what stat officially they were showing, but I guess if you count interceptions plus actual fumbles, um, it's 22, um, like times he put on the ground. So I don't, maybe that was it, but they were showing maybe. some type of stat. Maybe it was something with playoffs included. I, I don't know, but um, okay. It, it was, uh, I mean, it's a lot. For, it's still a lot. Either way. For what, who was considered to be one of the leading candidates for MVP, but um, it's not that 30 number that I was seeing going around. Mm. Yeah. And when he's playing at his best, like he, it, he does seem to be the best player in the league, but he's making a lot of mistakes right now. And 
when they play better competition as they'll start to play this weekend, then that might end up costing them. So, uh, yeah, so that was a story that they just kept the Dolphins in this game and the Dolphins uh, on the other side in the fourth quarter did everything they could to lose this game repeatedly. Um, these delay of games, man. Some, something oh, about the yeah, coaching or the how, communication how many times how many times did that happen? at least three like, in the fourth quarter i think at that least I can recall. Three. Yeah, yeah i was seeing um i don't know if you saw the clip of dan orlovsky kind of giving like how that could happen happen especially with this offense um and the verbiage they use with the third string quarterback who's not used to it hmm. yeah but, that's the only thing i could come up with is that it's, um, like he doesn't know all the cues and signals and stuff yeah because like basically on that fourth and one what what they were kind of explaining is that um initially it was supposed to be like it was he thought it was a first down so he had a first down play call in they were getting that going then um they had to reset the play clock they said oh it's actually fourth down he had to flip and okay it's fourth down let me pick a play call it in um and read the verbiage and then like rehuddle and all that and go back in but like they had 51 seconds or whatever it was in total but um when your quarterback is a third stringer who is not used to officially running this offense like they just it didn't work. Like they needed to have something in quickly and easy to, to like, okay, QB sneak go or like something, mm-hmm. you know, like instead of what they did. Um, Cause you can't, you can't have a false start at, on a fourth and one in that, in that situation. Yeah. Yeah. That was the, the story of the fourth quarter. The Dolphins really had a shot. And on that last drive, especially they just kept shooting themselves in the foot as, as a theme for both teams throughout this, this whole game here, they put up more of a fight than I think anyone expected them to. Obviously Skylar Thompson, Stats-wise, it looks like he had a terrible game, which I would argue he didn't have a terrible game. Like, I can count at least five drops that Hill and Waddle together had in that game, especially in the first half. Mm-hmm. Just opportunities yeah. that ended up not going their way just because they could not hold on to the ball for whatever reason. Uh, I think Romo or whoever attributed it to the cold to a degree, which, I, you know, you hear that for receivers who don't play in the cold. When they go to the cold, it's a little weird for them as far as catching the ball goes. But, yeah, there was a lot of that. And I thought Thompson, you know, given the situation and given, obviously, his lack of overall experience, and obviously he never played in the playoffs before either. I think he played admirably, given the whole situation, but yeah, this would have been different if they had Tua or even Bridgewater in there, I think. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy. I mean, this shows what turnovers should do to a game instead of what happened in the Jaguars game, where Mm -hmm. the total yards in this game were 423 to 231 Buffalo, and Hmm. it was still 34 to 31 because of all the turnovers and the short field and also a scoop and score, like, you know, it it kept them in the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but ultimately the Bills ended up pulling this one out, like you said, 34 to 31. So they move on to the divisional round and we'll get to their opponent here in just a minute. But uh, yeah, anything else to say about that one? No, just it's a little concerning for my uh, Super Bowl pick at the moment. Yeah, yeah for uh, both your Super Bowl picks, I believe. Yeah. Right? Yep. I'm not worried. He's not worried. Okay, we'll get to that. We'll get to that uh, we'll in just a little bit. Uh, yeah. Never, worried. <laughs> never gonna admit it. <laughs> No. Um, so moving on to the second game of the day, probably the most exciting game of the entire weekend, um, which I think a lot of us thought had the potential to be before before this weekend going in, was the Vikings hosting the Giants, um, three seed and six seed in the NFC. I think this looked like the closest matchup on paper, arguably maybe the Chargers-Jags otherwise, but this one seemed like the most interesting, and uh, we all uh, correctly thought that the Giants had a real shot and a, a likelihood to pull this one out because... As we've been saying through this whole season, if you look at any of the statistics about turnover differential or point differential or anything like that, uh, Vikings are fraudulent, and they proved it again officially in this game. Because this is a game that a 13-4 and team probably should not have lost, and yet here we are. Yeah, a 13-4 and team should not have a, a negative three point differential on the year. <laughs> no. Um, no. 
Like that's that's crazy. I mean, they won all these one score games and they got blown out in other games. Like the games that they lost were not close for the most part. Mm-hmm. Um, and th- these teams played not too long ago and the Giants put up a big like a real good fight and almost won that game. Uh, yeah. And so we were all like, OK, Giants should be able to pull this off. If there's going to be one quote unquote upset, it's this. And yeah, the Vikings defense is brutal. That's it's the main horrible. takeaway. It's it's so bad. I mean, look, Daniel Jones played fantastic. He Out looked very, very, yeah, like the best game I've ever seen him play. For and sure. I know I'm not a Giants fan that have watched every game or anything, but by far the cleanest I've seen seen him play. And he made a lot of sharp throws and he was running and he he made every every play that he needed to. Um, and Saquon looked looked good when they needed him to, uh, especially in that first half. He was really good out of the backfield. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, the Vikings defense just they need a lot of improvement. Their offense played pretty well. Like it was a back and forth like offensive game for the most part uh, through most of the game. And and the focus obviously for the Giants was to take away Jefferson because they blanketed him. He didn't have a lot uh, throughout most of the game. Um, so a lot of that action went to Hawkinson, who, you know, uh, as a Lions fan is interesting seeing him play in Minnesota and have such a good game. But um, yeah, then it came down to the end and they still threw to Hawkinson, which he probably shouldn't have. <laughs> yeah, we can get to that play in just a second. But yeah, like you said, um, I felt like all the Jefferson got seven catches, but only for 47 yards. And I feel like most of that happened in like the first two drives. I remember he had a handful of catches just on the first drive and like they were doing a lot to stop the big play. He was not getting yardage and he wasn't getting the crazy plays or the usual yards after the catch that he's really good at. And yeah, they they did a good job containing him. Like you said, that left him left Hawk open to get looks like 129 yards on 10 catches. So yeah, yeah, they they were they were gladly giving giving those up rather than giving up the really big play to Jefferson and ultimately worked in their favor. Yeah, uh that that fourth and eight play was to Hawkinson, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Check down. Why why was why was Hawkinson the outlet there when he was tearing up the Giants like on every other part of the field that he was lined up? I just don't get it. I, what I, a great I thought think... you have there. You would you would think, you know, I mean, I, I at least understand the logic of maybe we're going to make Jefferson or something the number one on that play. But I don't even know why that route was run mm-hmm. there. If, he, if he's going to be the outlet, have him run in the middle of the field and not towards the sideline. Yeah. Because it was an out where he could not get any yards after the catch. I mean, he was basically like, in the flat, right? Yeah, it was a flat. Like that, there's no that's strange. Yeah. So and I heard uh, Kirk after the game kind of say why he threw that and. I, I I hate the explanation. Like, not that I, I look. He played a very good game, but that was just a really bad decision. He was mm-hmm. like, I I felt like I was gonna get sacked, so I needed to get the ball out to someone to make it to, just to, even though it's short of the sticks, give him a chance to get the first down. But for one thing, he was seeing ghosts. Like he was not gonna be sacked in that play. <laughs> it, the pocket was not collapsing yet. <laughs> um, so it, it, he got jumpy and checked it down, and so he choked. That's on him. Mm-hmm. Like that that's that's all on Kirk right there. Yeah. Yeah, that was the that was the story at the end of the game was that uh on fourth and eight season on the line you throw a check down to your tight end, of all things, for three yards downfield basically. So Yeah, yeah. when he's blanketed too. Like it's not like he was open and then mm-hmm. some guy came up and made a good tackle. Like it was instantaneous that he went down. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So that was how the season ended for the Vikings. A uh 
what seemed like a good campaign for a lot of the year, and then whenever they played any remotely good team, they got exposed. They pulled out a couple wins against good teams, but most of the season, like we talked about the Eagles game, I think week two, and the Packers game, and the Cowboys game, they just get destroyed. They got destroyed by good teams this entire year. And the Giants, as Arcadio has said throughout the year, they're scrappy-crappy. They're not the best team. They are not the most talented team, but they're one of the better coach teams. There you go, Arcadio. I'll give you a compliment there. And, uh, they know how to play to the strengths of their players on both sides of the ball. They're a much more effective team on both sides of the ball, less one-dimensional than the Vikings are for sure. So uh, the game plan and everything else worked in their favor, and they pulled it out this time. So congrats to the Giants for getting a playoff win, another team that overachieved considerably this season, I think. Yeah. Okay, so the last game that we had on Sunday was another NBC game on Sunday Night Football. This was the Bengals hosting the Ravens in a rematch of a game that we saw one week ago. Uh, the only difference here was I think Anthony Brown, the third stringer, played quarterback for the Ravens in that Week 18 game, mm-hmm. and they had Taylor Huntley back for this one. No Lamar, which is uh, another story that I think we're going to be hearing a lot about in this offseason, wh- whatever happens there. But uh, yeah, he did not play in this game, didn't even make the trip, I don't think. So it was Tyler Huntley in for the Ravens, and this, much like the Bills-Dolphins game, to a lesser degree, but still like that, seemed like obviously a mismatch on paper. The Bengals seemed like were the obvious favorites here. And the Ravens made this a Ravens game, so they kept it close. They they played pretty much the exact t- exact type of game they needed to for three and a half quarters of football, basically, to keep it close. And they kept the Bengals off the field. They kept them in check effectively, all things considered. They did just enough on offense to stay afloat. And uh, then it was one mistake, a 14-point swing that just totally ruined the mem- any momentum the Ravens had, and they <laughs> never recovered. Just they- a bit. Yeah, they were playing a perfect game for what they needed to play for, I would say, 50 minutes of this game. And then it just all fell apart on one play at the at the goal line of all things. Well, maybe not quite the goal line. That's uh, that's part of the uh, controversy uh, behind that one. play. But um, yeah, so the play in question was a quarterback sneak from the one and a half or two yard line where yeah, this and was I hate 17 to 17 game at that time at this time. And the Ravens had driven down the field. Momentum was all in their favor. And uh, they did a play that I think, Bobby, you and I mutually agreed we hate this play, which is the Mm -hmm. dive play where all you do is just put the ball high in the air and try and cross the goal line with it. You don't actually move yourself across the goal line. But the risk there, especially when you're farther back than you would normally be for a sneak play like that. The ball is very vulnerable. Yes, that's more time for the ball to be high in the air with 22 arms just on one side of the ball to knock out of your hand. And lo and behold, that's exactly what happened here. And then this ended up resulting in a fumble from Tyler Huntley and a 99-yard touchdown return by the Bengals. And I don't have the guy's name who returned it right here. Sam Hubbard. Sam Sam Hubbard. Hubbard. There we go. Sorry, Sam Hubbard. I I should have gotten your name down beforehand. But yeah, Sam Hubbard (laughs) needs some oxygen afterward, but he took... He took it back, mm-hmm. reminded me, and they mentioned on commentary, reminded me of that James Harrison play in Super Bowl 43. That I, was what I it was up to me. Too. Yeah. And, uh, and yeah. another part of that was that was reminiscent. Did you see uh, Mark Andrews on this play? He was sprinting, dude. He almost yeah. got him. And and he, reminded me of well, Larry Fitzgerald in, in the said James Harrison the play. Reminded me yeah. of Larry Fitzgerald in that play. Like That, that was really mm-hmm. good hustle. Yeah. Yeah, he got blocked in the back on the way. Otherwise, he would have tackled him like 20. Yeah, that, that definitely should have been a penalty and, you know, it at least made it, given the Ravens a better chance mm-hmm. to, you know, that it wasn't a scoop and score. But yeah, yeah. that, um, the, uh, you know, they said, it, Harbaugh said after the game, like that was not supposed to be over the top. It was just supposed to be a quarterback sneak, go low, and hmm. Huntley just kind of did that. So that's uh, not great execution on his part. No, certainly but, not. Um, yeah, like like I was saying with you, I just hate any time that you're extending the ball like that towards the goal line 
even if there's no one in front of you and you're just diving where you could just mm-hmm. let go of the ball. Yeah. Because if you let go of the ball before the goal line and it goes in the end zone, it's a touchback, which, you know, that's a whole different You're ba- issue, You're basically but, ensuring the ball um, will go free, but you're just hoping you can cross it before then, which I don't like the risk in that scenario at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, and, and, and it was third down, too, and they were definitely, I think they would have gone for it had they not gotten it on the first quarterback sneak. Mm-hmm. So, like, I get the call, even though, like you said, they were a little far back. They were inside the two. They weren't, like, it wasn't a full two yards. It was probably, like, right around one and a half or less mm-hmm. than that. So, like, a couple of quarterback sneaks or a quarterback sneak and then hand it off to Dobbins or something like that. Like, they should have punched it in, but that's just that's how it went. That's bad luck, but... I mean, Bengals took advantage. Yep. They took advantage and there was no scoring the rest of the way. That one totally sealed the game for them. Ravens defense, to their credit, did their job most of this game. They allowed a couple touchdowns along the way to the Bengals, but they kept that high power Bengals offense in check. Burrow barely got over 200 yards through the air and they kept the rushing the rushing game of the Bengals in check, which has been a struggle for them this entire season. Mixon, every time I'm watching, feels like he gets maybe two yards on a carry and it feels like that's the yeah. entire game for him. Um, so yeah, Bengals moved on uh, thanks to that defensive play. I'm not going to say that I was sure the Ravens were going to win if like if things didn't go south on that one play, but it seemed like they were in control and they were making the Bengals play a Ravens type of game. So, yeah, that one play just really changed everything. Yeah, for sure. And I, I think a lot of this is on Harbaugh as a coach. Like he's he's just been good for a long time and he can keep games close, even if his team may not be like, you know, up to like 100 percent or they're just not. On paper, it's not a good matchup, but I mean, keeps them close on that defense. They took, usually keeps them in games. Like yeah. they took the Bengals down to the wire with Tyler Huntley at quarterback. Oh yeah, yeah, like, and with no mm-hmm. receiving core, they have Mark yeah, Andrews no, and a prayer. That's what they have at the receiving core. Yeah, Demarcus Robinson is their number one receiver. He was like the number five for the Chiefs last year or the year before, whenever he left. Like, right, this this is not the ideal scenario for them, especially on the offensive side of the ball, but. Yeah, just a well-coached team with a good defense, as always, and it was just not quite enough in this game, but it al- they almost pulled it off. I was very excited. I was curious if they could actually pull it off, because if they did, the Chiefs would have ended up playing them, which it would have ensured that the Bills or Bengals wouldn't necessarily be in the AFC Championship game, which, as a Chiefs fan, was the main concern, I think. But what happened, happened. So, yeah, that was a Bengals W. They move on to the divisional round to play the Bills next week. Uh, hopefully we get a full game there and nothing horrible happens in that one because I was very excited to see that game happen on Monday Night Football and I'm very excited to see it happen here because I just think that's a very interesting matchup and we've never actually seen it before other than that one quarter that we got of Allen versus Burrow. So looking forward to that one immensely. I mean, that was kind of a, the matchup a lot of us were kind of looking forward to or looking forward to. So um, for night for this next week, but for sure. Um, yeah, we'll get we'll get to those later. Yep, we got one last game to recap before we get there, and we save the best for last, folks. The uh, Monday night game on Super Wild Card Weekend was the Cowboys and the Bucks. The Bucks hosted this again; they were the four seed, even though the five seed had, in this case, a much better record than them. And so, this is a game that we have known was going to happen for like six, seven weeks, basically, because uh, of how the divisions were working out. And it seemed like a mismatch, obviously, for a lot of the season. Like their first game, the Bucks won handily, and. Both teams have been on opposite trajectories since then. But last couple weeks of the year, the Cowboys kind of started slipping a little bit. Uh, this, the Commanders game that they had with all their starters in still was kind of shocking to see how poorly they played in that whole game. And the Bucks, their last couple games of the year, they were looking a little bit better on the relative scale of how bad the Bucks have been this year. Well, so yeah. there is the Tom Brady playoff factor like Bobby and I talked about last week. 
um, to to an to an extent. I thought they could maybe squeeze out one win in this playoffs, and uh, that did not happen. This is a pretty dominant victory for the Cowboys. All thing like all things considered, the Bucks, as has been the issue this entire year, could not move the ball at all, just at all. Yeah, I mean, look, I part of it wasn't just the Tom Brady factor for my pick. It was that. I thought Dallas had struggled the back half of the year. They were not playing up to their potential because they are very talented on both sides of the ball. Oh, yeah. And the first part of the season, like they were dominating a lot of games. Um, they looked like a team that could definitely make a deep run in the playoffs. Uh, but Dak just kept turning the ball over. They weren't playing very clean on offense and the defense was giving up more points than they should with that talent. So like they were winning some games, but it looked ugly in yeah. that last half. So I was just looking at that and the fact that Brady usually pulls something together. Um, and like you said, they had played better, uh, up, you know, up until that last game where they didn't play their starters for most of it. Um, so I was like, yeah, they could definitely do this and they're at home. But Dallas, like, fully played up to their potential in this game on yeah. both offense and defense. And Tampa had no shot. They played uh, a perfect Dak game, played, basically. Very yeah, complete Dak, game. Well, Dak played perfect for the most part. Like The offense and, and the defense played perfect. Yeah, especially yeah. There oh, yeah, were some yeah, yeah. some uh, some misfires uh, for sure. Um, missing quite a few. What four extra points? Four extra points. I was going to say this. Their final yeah. score of thirty-one. There were no field goals here, folks. That's four extra no. points that get you to that total. And that apparently, like there, there's and this. I don't think this was happening whatsoever. He obviously just wanted to make those and wasn't. But people were like. He's point shaving because that kept them on the under oh. for the for Vegas. Like they would have got had the over had he made those extra points. Like you know that type of stuff. But like no, obviously he just had he had the yips as we were we were saying in the mm-hmm. chat. Um, and yeah, that was probably the most entertaining part of the game because it was not a game not fun or like it was very clear early on that Tampa just could not move the ball. Mm-hmm. Um, they scored fourteen points, but it didn't even feel like it. Um, yeah. So yeah, and Brady like threw for three hundred and whatever fifty yards, but that was their entire offense, and he threw the ball sixty six times. Yeah. So, like, <laughs> yeah, a forty five year old quarterback throwing it sixty six times. I uh-huh. don't think that that's the uh, way to have a successful game. You think he's icing his arm today by chance? Just just a thought, just, maybe just a bit. <sighs> All right, Arcada, go ahead, brag. Uh, yeah, Cowboys good. Cowboys good. Yeah. Cowboys good. <laughs> Channeling one, Jay one here. I closer, love it. One step closer to my uh, my Super Bowl pick. The narrative uh, yeah, continues. I, I expect this to be the last game we see of Tom Brady in Bucks uniform. Yeah. Uh, if that not much his for last sure. game overall. But yeah, mm-hmm. I, there's there's just too much wrong over there in, in Tampa Bay for, for that to be a realistic uh, well, pairing again. Yeah, I think he saw kind of the writing on the wall as far as this team goes before the year, and that's why he was trying to leave. Um, and oh, yeah. And he tried to join a different team. <laughs> that's a good point. So, that's a good point. <laughs> like, I think he kind of saw this roster is getting old. You know, the coach, the coaching staff obviously had a turnover and everything with Bruce Arians, who he apparently maybe didn't get along with or whatever. But I think the team just kind of ran out of life. Um, Gronk didn't come back. There, a lot of the guys are just getting older because they made that one big run with all those guys they signed. But like, yeah, they're done. This roster's done and he's gone. There's no way if he's going to play again, it's for another team. Yeah. Um, and he even said, essentially said goodbye in his press conference to right. like the, to the media and everything. So, um, yeah, yeah, he gone. Yeah. So, uh, feels like we're back to square one with, uh, 
Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers now. After every after every season now, we get the thought of, are they done? Or are they going to go to another team? And we're back to that point with both of them. So that's going to be a fun off season of stupid speculation. I can't wait for that. But yeah, uh, an underachieving season for the Bucks. I, I will say. They won their division, but that's just because they were in the worst division of football. That's just how it happened. And uh, yeah, just a horribly one-dimensional team. That one dimension of him being able to throw the ball. He was not as good as he used to be, despite setting attempt and completion records again this year. That was just because they couldn't run the ball at all. And it was a lot of short throws. And that was just the story of their year. Defense kept him in a lot of games. And this one, they couldn't. They just couldn't. So that's what happened here. Bucks are out. And the Cowboys move on to the divisional round. And... That was our last game of Super Wild Card Weekend. It was overall a pretty fun weekend. The first and last games, the first game was fun for most of the game. The Monday night game was not fun at all, but mostly a pretty good weekend, a pretty fun weekend. M- most of the games, I think, were better than we expected them to be, for sure. Yeah, I would say so. Uh, I mean, I think for the most part, other than the first and last game, I think, like they're all close other than that. Yeah, I think um, all one so, position games. Yeah, yeah, so other than those two, and... Yeah, like the last one I think was the most kind of boring. I didn't even watch the last like five minutes of the game. I was too tired. Yeah. Um, and just had Nick update me uh, as things were happening. Nothing um, good was happening. There was a couple a couple no. silly things were happening. Um, there, the Bucks then, recovered an onside and kick and yeah. yeah, and an injury, which we're going to mention in a second. But yeah, I mean, it was it was still garbage time. But when the Bucks got that onside, I was like, for there was that half second in my brain where I'm like, oh my god, he's doing it somehow. Like they're somehow going to pull this <laughs> yeah, if off. You, if you told me it got to one score, I was going to turn that game back. Oh on, yeah, but I'm like, oh, even with that, like, <laughs> there's no uh, way. That reminds me of the the Chargers Jags game. I was updating my best friend because he turned it off after after the first half, or maybe even before the touchdown that that the Jags had in the, in the first half. But I kept updating, and I'm like, there they got they got down to 13 or whatever, got down to 10, got within one possession. I think he said, tell me when it's one possession, and I'll turn it back on. And I'm like, it's in one possession now. He's like, if they take the lead, tell me, and I'll turn it back on. And I'm like, well, they took the lead. <laughs> well, and they took the lead, and the game's over. <laughs> <And it's> yep. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. W- what a game. W- what an overall weekend. That was a fun weekend. Yeah. And we've got fewer games to look forward to this weekend, but obviously they're even more important. We'll get to those uh, in our previews, but before we do that, we'll get to second down, where we recap the injuries that happened and the people that may be coming back. So the injury we just referred to in the Bucks game was Russell Gage, the worst injuries are the ones that you see happen in garbage time, and this one was mm-hmm. the epitome of that. Not just the fact that he got hurt, but how he got hurt. He messed up his neck a little bit. I think they said his neck is okay, but he definitely got a concussion, and he was down for probably five minutes there. And like they had him on a backboard, but they weren't moving him, and it was kind of scary. All the players were kneeling down and everything. Tom Brady looked like dejected and sad about the whole deal, because obviously, to an extent, he probably felt a bit of responsibility for that. Um so that was scary, and it seems like he's okay, but it was definitely scary, especially to see happen near the end of the game. Especially in a post-Bills-Bengals uh, world, you know? Yeah. Yeah, like that we just saw two weeks ago on a Monday night game. This was not that bad, to be clear, but yeah. For the couple minutes it lasted, it was scary. Like, I've seen too many concussions kind of like that, where things, mm-hmm. similar things have happened on the field with everyone huddling around, and that's when it feels really scary. So glad he seems to yeah. be okay from that, but... I mean, the scariest part was that it looked like maybe like a neck yeah. injury type yeah. of thing. And they, so. they said his neck was okay, yeah. like I said. At least that's what yeah. I think the Bucks coaching staff or training staff said. Yeah, the, the update was, yeah, he has movement. He's, you know, he's hospitalized, but everything looks, it looks good, which is, mm-hmm. you know, definitely a good update, especially yep. after everything had already happened. So, yep. Uh, yeah, so moving on from that, uh, so... A story that we're following these last couple of weeks and seems like it's continuing now is offensive line woes again for the Bengals. Where have we seen this before? 
Um, so they lost Lyle Collins, who I think is their right tackle. They lost him a couple weeks back. And their left tackle, Jonah Williams, is week-to-week with a dislocated kneecap. And uh, someone whose franchise quarterback had a dislocated kneecap a couple years ago that resulted in him never doing a quarterback sneak ever again for the rest of his career, apparently. Uh, Mahomes was out, I think, for three, at least two full games in 2019. And not not that th- not that those injuries are all the same exactly when they happen, but if that's the case, I don't think we see him back until maybe the Super Bowl, of, if that with an injury like this would be my guess. But they say he's week to week right now, and I could be totally wrong. So we'll see there. But it's a concern for the Bengals that they're losing. They had they kind of figure their offensive line out in the regular season. They kept that same lineup together, and they got better as the year went on. But they've lost multiple starters in the last couple weeks, so that's a concern for them, especially going against the Bills this weekend. Uh, so as far as the Niners go, Jawan Jennings is day-to-day with an ankle injury. Um, so that's something to follow for them. They've gotten most of their weapons back, but that's one that they're going to be monitoring. Uh, as far as the Chiefs go, we have a couple notes. McCole Hardman, who has had abdominal injuries, and apparently this is a pelvis injury, they say he could suit up, but I will believe it when I see it. I still don't expect him to actually be back, and if he is, I think he'll be very limited in his role um, just because we're in the postseason. The teams develop chemistry with the staff that they've the receiving staff that they've had in the second half of the year he's been gone for a long time now so I don't think they're going to rush him back even though I'm sure he very much wants to play it's been a weird story that they've been very hush-hush about this entire year um so don't know exactly what happened with him but I don't I would not be surprised if we don't see him again this season and I hope he's good for next year uh another Chiefs story which I didn't hear about until I've read this rundown and didn't even know about this was that Clyde Edwards Hilaire is going to return to practice this week. He's been out for most of the second half of the year. It feels like it's been longer than he has actually been out, but even before he got taken out he's his job got taken from him by Isaiah Pacheco, who's been much more effective in that role. So another player who he might suit up, but I don't see him doing too much in actual games, at least this weekend or however long the Chiefs play for this postseason. So I don't expect much from him, but those are Chiefs injury notes that we have. And lastly, Cowboys tackle Jason Peters has a hip injury and it says he'll practice on Wednesday. Uh, so they have a short week. That's that's one thing. I, I saw some fans, maybe coaches or players complaining from the Cowboys about the fact that the Niners had the first game and the Cowboys had the last game of the weekend. And those are the two teams that are going to play each other. Obviously, if things worked out differently, then that wouldn't necessarily have been the matchup. Um, but it seemed like they pretty likely match up with how everything was going to turn out. So it sucks for the Cowboys as far as that goes. And in, in the event I don't of love they, that. Well, it's yeah. like I mean, what? it's the Cowboys. So. They they gave them the last they gave them the last game with a weekend. Like, what more do you want? Yeah, they have the shortest turnaround of any team, and the Niners have the most rest of any team. But that's just how it goes when you add a Monday night game to the playoffs. Okay, so moving on to third down, recapping some of the news that happened. We alluded to a lot of this earlier. As far as the Chargers go, they fired Joe Lombardi, their offense coordinator, and Shandy, their quarterbacks yeah. coach. Lions fans would have should have yeah. We never knew that he that Joe Lombardi was bad. I mean, you know what. Yeah, if he was the offensive coordinator when we with Stafford and Calvin Johnson for a couple of years, and still was our offense was brutal under that under him. Like I hated his his <laughs> offense that he ran, and I also hated what he was running for the Chargers. So not shocking. Yeah, not shocking. And I love the note that I can only see Mercadio put here that says Brand Staley can't fire himself after all, uh, continuing to skirt responsibility as he said. So. Yeah, we, we mentioned that we'll see how the Chargers can improve coaching-wise next year, but I think the biggest issue with their coaching is the guy who's still there, so we'll see. Uh, the Browns hired Jim Schwartz as the defense former coordinator. Lions head coach. Yeah, yes, Another former Lions Lion head coach. coach <laughs> news. Which here. I definitely didn't learn right before we uh, hit record. Definitely yeah. did not learn who he was right then. Um I'm shocked you didn't know who he who he was. Honestly. I've heard the name, but I couldn't like couldn't place where he was at and when he was there. Do you remember the Thanksgiving challenge flag that 
he threw when the rule was that you can't if you throw a challenge flag when um the play is not challengeable then they can't review it i don't remember that i somehow yeah, don't so i'm sorry he did that he oh, yeah, the slap on the back thing with harbaugh oh, and chasing that whole thing down and yeah like <laughs> He he had some some moments, um, but he was actually pretty good with us for a few years. Mm-hmm. How do you think he'll work out in Cleveland? He's a very very good defensive coordinator. Um, he was with the Eagles when they won the Super Bowl. He that was where he had most of his success before mm-hmm. he was um, the Lions head coach. So I think okay. that's a good hire. Okay, yeah. So we'll monitor that. Obviously, the Browns have room for improvement after this this season that they just had. Uh, the Titans have hired Niners executive uh, Rand Carthen as their GM. I think was, uh, he was the director of player personnel. What's his title in San Francisco? Yes. yes. Yeah. So obviously he and John Lynch and that whole executive team have assembled a pretty damn good team over there. He seemed like uh, seemed like an easy hire uh, that any team would probably want. And there's some stuff happening in the Titans front office, as we discussed, I think, last week about maybe some tinfoil hat theories about everything going on there, but they need, they need a shakeup of some kind. And he seems like a pretty good candidate of the guys who are probably available for a promotion. So it seems like a pretty obvious pick and we'll see how the Titans do with hopefully some new blood in charge and more compensatory picks for the Niners. Uh, so some, some college notes that we have as uh, one of these is a draft note, CJ Stroud officially declared for the draft, which I think everybody and their mother would have seen coming, but it was not official for a while. So He's officially in the draft, and I think Bobby's happy that the Lions aren't looking for a quarterback anymore, considering where their draft position is. Yeah, I um, so this actually, like, there were a lot of rumors that he was staying in, um, that he was going to come back just for his own reasons. Um, and so there's a lot of smoke around that. So I was, and I, I wanted him to, yeah, I definitely wanted him to declare for both the Lions' sake and the Big Ten's sake, just because I don't want Ohio State to be good. And mm-hmm. CJ Stroud is good, so... Um, you know, but I, I, yeah, it's, if he had not declared, it's one more player that the lions could have taken that would be taken before, um, we get to pick. So definitely happy. He's, he's, he declared officially, um, was a a little nervous about that at least. Mm -hmm. Uh, so, uh, one of the last notes we have, you'll, you'll never believe it folks. Jim Harbaugh's going back to Michigan. Uh, Arcadio read your note word for word. (laughs) And I quote. Wow. Shocker. Never expected this. Thought the NFL rumors were real this time. Really? (laughs) Exactly. That sums it up very well. He can't keep getting away with this. Yeah, it seemed like maybe at first there was maybe a little bit more smoke than there was last year with him, but it seemed pretty obvious, I think, the last week or so that he was probably going to go back, and that was exactly what happened. The smoke is, like, I think he kind of like last year he was gonna take the minnesota job he thought he was getting the job and they just didn't give it to him and he came back and was like okay i'm michigan's coach again um this year i think again he 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 did want to go but he interviewed i think a lot of teams are going in a completely different direction than his style for the nfl mm-hmm. going more that kind of young offensive mind um so i i, I think he kind of realized it's not for him right now and yeah. michigan's the best spot so, um, I think there was actually a little, sm- a little smoke, even though that, that was funny. Like I, I love that. Um, and it's, you know, especially because he did come back, but I think he was trying and he probably will again, but maybe not next year, maybe in a few years, but I, I don't know if it's going to ever happen for him again in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, last note, something that was somewhat surprising 
it seemed almost like a lock that Sean McVay was gone like a week ago. And then he just decided to come back in the middle of the week. He took a couple days to decide and he's back, it seems. And like if there was a point where we saw he was like telling his coaches to go like look for other jobs, wasn't it? At least that was the rumor. He was telling them if you get an opportunity to get work elsewhere, you should look into it. Mm hmm. Yeah, that was one of the many things that just made it seem like he was definitely for sure gone. Going to TV yeah. or just whatever else, leaving the organization because he didn't want to rebuild was the rumor we kept hearing. And he's coming back, which I think surprised me a little bit because even though that story kind of developed really quickly, it just seemed like a sure, almost a sure thing that he was gone. My tinfoil hat theory oh is that he talked to Stafford and Stafford said, I'm playing for one more year. Hmm. Okay. We got one, That's we my, got one more my, run in me. My theory is Stafford's like, I can only like with his injuries and stuff. I got one more year. Stay with me. You know, let's let's make a run. <laughs> that that's yeah. my my theory at the moment, and we'll see how that goes. But that we'll, that's we'll my, see in my one year's style. time. Yeah, we'll see how but that for now. Worked out. One less seat on the plane to Thailand. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't know if we had that part of the story last week with Cliff Kingsbury. He took a one way trip we to Thailand, folks. Yep. He's just chilling he's, for a while with guaranteed gone. money. He, he's doing what. Yeah, he's doing what everyone says you should do yeah. like when when you have these guaranteed contracts. Just winning That's basically life. what it is is like the team will will compensate you over whatever money you make wherever other whatever job you get. Mm -hmm. Um so if you don't get a job, they'll just pay you your entire salary. So he doesn't have to work. Mm -hmm. So go sit on a beach. Just just winning doing. at life for a number of reasons. <laughs> Okay, so we'll move on to fourth down then. Uh, quicker episode, obviously, because there's fewer games and fewer teams to talk about. So fourth down, we'll talk about the four games that we have in the divisional round. Uh, so starting on Saturday, we have my Chiefs are finally playing in the playoffs. They got the first round by and they finally get to play. They're hosting the Jaguars, who are the four seed. They obviously beat the Chargers. Uh, early odds, Chiefs minus eight and a half over under a 53. This is an interesting game in that I saw this first game live. This is the one game I went that uh, Jay actually came to town and we went to see earlier this year. And the Jaguars are a totally different team than the team that we played in that game. They have been hot the second half of the season. They've been much better on both sides of the ball, but especially on the opposite side of the ball, cleaning up some of the mistakes and everything like that. This feels like a different team and a much closer matchup on paper than that first time around that happened around midseason. And I'm still pretty confident, but I'm a little worried about the uh the scrappiness of this of this Jaguars team I will say I'm not going to pick against the Chiefs here but I'm a little concerned I think it's also the playoffs so um, I'm just going to be inherently concerned shades of Andrew Luck 2013 mm. right if that yeah, happens no. I'm if that happens I will become the Joker he <laughs> basically did it last week there was what they were one point shy of the comeback total from the mm. Andrew Luck game but yeah I don't know what do you guys think um so like, look, the Jaguars, I think, are, like you said, they've been playing a lot better. They're very scrappy, but they still make a lot of mistakes and get down in a lot of these games that they're that they're winning, um, mm -hmm. obviously, including this past week. Um, I don't think you can do that against the Chiefs. You have to play a complete game. Um, you can't, you know, throw four picks or whatever or get down 17-0, 27-0, 14-0 early and make a big comeback against them. I feel like the Jags need to play a perfect game in order to keep it close. And they haven't been doing that even when they're winning. Mm -hmm. uh, they're just too young, I think, at this point. So I, I definitely have the Chiefs. I don't know if they cover that eight and a half spread. I don't but, expect um, that. I, I definitely have the Chiefs uh, winning the game. Um, the Jags time, I think, will come. Um, I think they're actually on a legitimate rise, but um, it's not this year. 
Yeah. Yeah. Jay seems to be in line with you, Bobby. Uh, he told me to say that he thinks Mahomes is going to lead them to a lot of points. And I also agree. I think it's going to be a pretty high scoring game. Uh, but yeah, Jay also says he thinks Lawrence will make one or two really costly mistakes that will sink the the Jags chances and the chiefs, they, their run game will close it out where the chargers run game couldn't. So, yeah. And I, yeah. I agree as well. I think the chiefs are going to win fairly handily again. Maybe they don't, uh, maybe they don't cover that eight and a half spread, but mm-hmm. Maybe the Jaguars score a touchdown or so late to make it like yeah. a one-score game, but I, I still think the Chiefs probably end up winning the game. Yeah. Yeah, their first game uh, earlier in the year, they won 27-17, and it was a little more out of reach for most of the game. Um, the Jags ended up, they 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 were never super far behind, but they never really came within that 10-point gap. They sort of got kept without reach the entire game, and that was a sloppy game from the Chiefs especially, and the Chiefs have been sloppy for a lot of the second half of the year, playing against bad teams, keeping bad teams in games. I I do think, sort of like playoff Brady, I think the Chiefs, at least for at least for the first two rounds of the playoffs, are nigh untouchable. And I'm gonna it's gonna age poorly the fact that I said that. I think they'll get past this game. Um, maybe like we've been saying, maybe a little closer than the spread would would suggest, and maybe more of a fight than they got put up against them the first time. But I still think the Chiefs pull this one off, and then. If we get to the AFC Championship game, it'll be much more interesting discussion for that. Uh, so the other game on Saturday is the six-seed Giants against the one-seed Eagles. The other game that we saw just a couple weeks ago on in Week 18, but Giants were playing all second and th- uh, third stringers in that game because they were locked, in, locked into their seed. So this is going to be a full-strength Giants team against a full-strength Eagles team with uh, another week of rest for Jalen Hurts. So full, full strength is questionable. Who's missing? No, I, I mean, I think that they're playing, but I, I think Hertz is uh, more injured than they're kind of letting on. So That I don't disagree with, I will say, but let's see how much the week off helped him. I'm sure they would if they had if they didn't need to play him in week 18. I don't think they would have that that I that I do think uh, I'll I'll deliver Jay's thoughts first. Uh, okay. He told me to say that he thinks the Eagles defense will slow down the Giants receivers. I mean. The Giants receivers aren't like remarkable in the first place, but they are like, like I've always said, like scrappy, the whole team's scrappy, but mm-hmm. um, Philly's offense, he says, won't be able, they, they won't be able to stop Philly's offense. The Giants defense will succumb eventually and the their offense won't be able to keep up. So Jay's, Jay's got the Eagles. Um, unfortunately, I'm also taking the Eagles uh-huh. as, as the unfortunately the dream is dead for the Giants, I think this is where they they run into their buzzsaw. This the the clock strikes midnight, as it were. Um, but it, it's it's a good season, good good starting point for the the Brian Dable regime, and uh, yeah, just get get some reload some with some good receivers in the off season, and let's see what they can do next year. But uh, yeah, this, this is the Eagles' game to lose. Yeah. Um... Like I, I like I said, I think that Jalen Hurts is more injured than they're letting on, but I still think that the Eagles just have an overall better team. Um, but I, I think because of that, though, with the injury, I, I believe it's closer than people might think, and probably an uglier game, uh, yeah. which gives the Giants at least a chance. So I'm thinking it's like a 1913, 1960, like weird 2016 game, or you know something like that, where the Eagles still win, 
I can see I think that. their defense can shut down the Giants, um, but I don't think their offense is going to be quite as explosive. Um, and I think that's going to lead them into issues the next week. Um, even though, like, look, I my brother's a, a massive Eagles fan. I would love for them to do well and, and make it to the Super Bowl and everything. But um, I think they kind of are playing, they were playing their best football around the, like early to mid season. Mm-hmm. Um, and then obviously with the Hertz injury, I, I, I don't think he's going to be fully healthy with that throwing arm for the rest of this, of the playoffs. So yep. um, I, I think they win this game probably in uglier fashion than people would expect. Uh, and then they probably don't make it too much further. Yeah. I'm echoing a lot of Bobby's thoughts about, about this whole game. Of the two Saturday matchups, which are more mismatches than what we got on Sunday, this would be a much less surprising upset to me, I think, with the way the two teams have trended the last couple weeks. Um, wouldn't surprise me at all if the if the Giants end up pulling this one out. I still think the Eagles will win this one, but like you said, I think it'll be uglier. Their offense, I don't expect to click to the degree that they did at their peak in this season uh, for a variety of reasons. But yeah, I still think they pull this one off, but as my bracket also predicted, I think they hit a buzzsaw in the NFC Championship game after they make it there. So that's my expectation. But of the two Saturday games, this would be a less surprising upset result for me if that's what were to happen. So uh, so that's Saturday on Sunday. The first game we have is the Bengals and the Bills. Bills are hosting. Uh, they're a five-point favorite right now, over under only a 49, which seems a little low for these two teams. Um, lower than I would have expected, I think, but... Yeah, so like we talked about earlier, this is a big matchup that we did not get to see to its completion earlier in the season. Um, so this is a bit of an unknown, I think, to an extent. They didn't have too much of a chance to feel each other out, but this seems like the closest matchup on paper, I think, of, of the whole weekend for sure. Agreed. I, I'm picking this game purely because of how I picked my bracket. Like, if I'm going, and I, and honestly, neither team played that well last week. No. Um, the Bills were sloppy, turned the ball over, made that game a lot closer than it should have, and the Bengals didn't really move the ball in offense like they, you know, probably should have. So I, I think they're going to put things together, both teams, and it's going to be a really good game back and forth. Like, I can, I can see either team winning this, but I'm going to pick the Bills just because I have them in the Super Bowl uh, and winning it, but um, this is probably my most anticipated game of the week, so oh, yeah. um, it could go either way. Uh, personally, I have Buffalo winning again, like kind of like Bobby said in part because that's how my bracket looks. But uh, you know, uh, we we've made a lot about Josh Allen's inconsistencies, and the thing is, they they've still won fourteen games and lost only three. They the they just always seem to find a way to pull it out, even despite the the sloppiness, the turnovers, and all that. And I, you could probably argue they haven't played a perfect game all season, and maybe they're due for it. I don't know. I I still their their defense does still do enough to to help overcome that. So I'm taking Buffalo. Um, Jay thinks the opposite. He thinks that Josh Allen's inconsistencies is going to cost Buffalo this game and what he expects to be a high scoring game. So he's taking Cincinnati. I agree with Jay on this one. So my bracket had the Bengals getting past this game. I expected them to win the Monday Night Football game in Week 17. That was my thought at the time, and I don't think a lot has changed there. These uh, these two teams, I think, are pretty similar. Obviously, it was only a couple weeks ago, so they haven't changed too massively since then. The only, the only pushback I would have is the Bengals' offensive line being a little suspect now. 
um, because they've lost multiple offensive line starters that they had. So that's a bit of a concern for them. Um, But I still think I expect them to pull through with this one. Um, I think this will be very close either way, but I think one or two mistakes from, in this case, the Bills, I think are going to be what shifts the weight in the Bengals' favor here. But this is... So we're 50-50? Yeah, we are 50-50. So this is a result that neither one would surprise me. I expect a close game. I hope for a close game. And um, I mean, I, I hope that whatever team that we play plays their... It, I'm looking ahead too much now. The Chiefs have to win, but any prospective opponent of these two for us, I hope, gets put through the ringer in this game. Is is what I can say for that. But I hope it's a great game because this is a matchup that we have not gotten to see in its entirety yet between these versions of these two teams. So I'm just excited for the game more than anything. Okay, so the last game of the weekend of the divisional round, the Niners are hosting the Cowboys. So Niners are favored minus three and a half over under forty six. Uh, Vegas seems to uh, think the defenses are going to do some pretty good work in this matchup. Oh, man, I don't even know about this one. I only am a little bit more concerned because of this past week and how the Cowboys played. Yeah, if you asked me a week ago, I would like as my bracket had had me. Well, I guess I had the Bucks, but um, yeah, I would have picked the Niners more easily a week ago to beat the Cowboys. But the Cowboys showed me a little something in this game. And Niners are looking like the Niners have been looking for the last 10 weeks or however long it's been now. Uh, but yeah, the Cowboys gave me a little bit of concern, I think. Made me hes- a little bit more hesitant than I was. I don't Still know who Niners. wants to officially pick. Yeah, all right, you go Niners. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I, I think I am as well. I mean, that's what I wrote down, and that's what I have in my bracket. I mean, I had Tampa winning that game, but um, like I think the Cowboys are going to put up a good fight, especially if they play anywhere close to they did uh, this past week. But one big major concern they now have is, do they even have a kicker? Um, yeah, that's a big question mark. And that's going to actually play into the game, I think, a little bit more than it did against the Bucks. Um, so that's a question mark. I think that the Niners just have way too many weapons. Um, I think it'll be close because if the Cowboys are clicking like they did on offense last game, like they can at least put up points uh, and stay in the game. But uh, Niners defense is good. Niners have so many weapons on offense. I think they still pull it out. So going Niners but again this is probably my second most anticipated game of the week I think it's gonna be very close yeah yeah the Cowboys defense needs to play in their midseason form I think to have a chance here they need to Michael Parsons up. needs to yes like, dominate the game he needs yeah. to get in and, and make Brock Purdy's life hell to give them they, they need to make him look and feel like a third stringer because he has not this yeah. whole year they they have to do that to have a chance yeah he's, he's had so much time I mean granted they he throws on time a lot, so they don't get sacked in general. But uh, if they can get in and get pressure on him and just get him a little bit nervous and a little jumpy, I think they have a chance. Um, I'll start with Jay's the the Homer pick over here. Obviously, Jay's picking the 49ers. Um, he says Niners defense will pressure Dak into turnovers. Uh, Brock will do enough to get the offense rolling, even though he admits that the the Dallas defense is a is a tough tough test for him. And uh, they'll have to rely on the run uh, more than they did last week so that Purdy doesn't have to do as much. Um, well, it's probably no surprise to you guys, but I'm I'm lone wolfing it here and I'm taking Dallas. We're shocked. Yeah, I, I just think all the rookies run into their buzzsaw sooner or later. And I think... The, this Dallas defense is as good an opportunity as any for Brock Purdy to to show his age. 
and to show his age. Yeah, to show his or lack. Oh yeah, of, okay. So yeah, sorry, I get you. My bad. Yeah, uh, and I I think Dallas is going to have to obviously rely on their their run game that's gotten through them through the year in this game especially mm. because the 49ers they're they're good everywhere on on the defense like they don't have a a bad a bad spot and yeah the Dallas has to be two dimensional or three dimensional on offense and i think they're going to it's going to be the thriller of the weekend and i think Dallas is going to get it done it would be ironic if they won out on yeah. a game winning field goal i think it would. Yeah, that that's the only <laughs> thing that concerns me because I know no. they're gonna have to settle for some more field goals and game, if their kicker's not up to it, point. that's that's gonna be pretty ugly. Game winning extra point, yeah. yeah. Otherwise it goes to overtime. Or they need the extra point to go to overtime. Mm-hmm. Ooh, there's so many options here. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see. I'm curious if they actually try to you can still acquire people at this point in the season, can't you? Like you can you can sign guys. Yeah, you can sign people. Yeah, you okay. can. You yeah. just you have to make the call at some point during the week, like yeah. who's active and and all that. But yeah, yeah, they have to yeah. be on the active roster twenty four hours before the game. Gotcha. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of journeyman kickers that have you know one week stints with teams all the time, so there's a chance they do I think, that. I still think they're gonna I, stick with him, but I think they're probably gonna see what he does in practice the first day. Like they probably practice to, today. I'm I guessing think tomorrow. they practiced for the first time or tomorrow, um, and see how he does if he still has the the yips then maybe they sign someone but um if he can get it together in practice then i'm guessing that they'll be fine oh sorry he, i was just gonna say he's got to do some kind of ritualistic ceremony to to get the <laughs> yeah the yips out something, because something, something it was not it was not pretty uh, on monday it was not pretty <laughs> it was not oh, pretty fuck you. No. Yeah. god damn it come on i had to do it <laughs> yeah yeah no block i guess i'm not happy that was about all right. it that was all right <laughs> yeah okay fine Okay, any other notes on that game or any of the other ones? Uh, Sunday should be a lot of fun. I mean, honestly, both. I'm, I'm looking forward to every game this week, but Sunday yeah, specifically, Sunday both games, yeah. I think, are going to be the closest. Yeah, for sure. I'm going to be a nervous wreck on Saturday. I know that. Hopefully, hopefully Saturday yeah, ends no, up being a no good No more day. stress-free football for you for this yeah. week. Okay. Well, there you have it, folks. That's all we've got. It was a shorter episode, obviously. Like we said, fewer games and then one less person on the actual show this week. Jay will be back next week. He's actually lurking in our voice chat with us right now. Um, but yeah, we'll be back next week. We'll have even fewer games to recap now. Um, so we'll be back to recap the divisional games, preview the conference championship games, and we'll see if any other big news happens along the way. But for everyone here, that will do it for us, and we'll be back next week for the divisional round. See you then.